0: another edition of our Coaching you Podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. Today, uh, a great friend and one of my favorite coaches in the country, Lenny a coach of the University of Alabama, Huntsville. One of the most successful coaches in college basketball is our guest, Lenny. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Brendan. It's my
0: honor. Thank you so much for having me. You know, we met, uh, oh gosh, I was trying to think, uh... Morning, six seven years ago, uh, you know, one of our dear friends, Stan uh said to me one day, "I want you to come over to Lake Highland Prep, where my kids went to the middle school, and I want you to see this guy that I really, that I really follow, and I want to you know see some of his ideas." And as you know, uh, I respect Stan so much, and and uh, I said okay, and uh, and then. He had also done the same thing to my former player and good friend Doc Rivers and to Jeff Turner, the coach of Lake Island, and we all went over there. And it was one of the most enjoyable times I have ever had in basketball. And uh, it was my first chance to get a chance to meet you, to see some of your ideas in basketball. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like uh, like sharing and sharing and teaching with uh, fellow coaches uh, the game. I know you do an awful lot of that. Um you know, when you when you go and you share with and, and frankly and to be honest, I mean, you know, you're one of the most successful D2 coaches in the nation, but you know, you're sharing a lot of times with you know, Power 5 schools, you're sharing with NBA guys and stuff like that. How do you feel when that when you're asked to do that?
1: Well, you know, it's very humbling. Uh I I've tried really hard in my career to, to try to do a good job of networking and, and, and not networking, Brendan, to move up the coaching ladder, networking to learn. Y- you talk a lot, which I read all your stuff and follow you closely, as you know, is about being a lifelong learner. And mm-hmm. that that's something I'm passionate about. And I, I just want to get better. And I, honestly, when I have a chance to, to visit with some of the coaches that I've spent some time with, uh, first off, I'm amazed at, that their kindness, uh, their humility to sit and listen to a Division II coach. And then the thing that I'm anxious for from a selfish standpoint is what can I learn from them? Um, I I, I do think that it is important that sharing uh, knowledge, sharing ideas is how we grow a game. Um, But I obviously go into it just as hungry to try to learn from them. You know, even that day we got together, I, I, We, yeah. I, I, my children, my son now is a senior in high school. He was in the sixth grade then. I and never, we got his sixth grade AU team out there. And, okay, we're saying, okay, we're working on style out of bounds. You're Rondo, your are Garnett, you Pierce. <laughs> I mean, they were the guys, you know. And yeah. that's something they've never forgotten. And my son still talks about that. And um, it's, it, But, but I, I do think it's important in our game, that you continually try to stay ahead of the curve. Um, and I've worked real hard to do that. And any chance I get to learn, I jump on. A guy uh, that I've
0: come in contact with um, uh, that I'm fascinated by is a gentleman by the name of Michael Gervais. Uh, he's a mental skills coach, somewhat called sports psychologist. Uh, he's a PhD. He's just smart as heck. And he's the uh, – Guy that first hired Pete Carroll had with the Seattle Seahawks, and he's got a great, great podcast, uh, Lenny, uh, that I listen to every time he puts out. And they're they're like an hour and a half each. He just like digs so deep in, with, with his guest, and but his his uh, topic, the name of his podcast is called Finding Mastery, and it like has so clicked with me and. One of the things that you know, like when I came to LSU last summer, that really you know people didn't understand why you're doing this and stuff, because I too needed to grow and keep developing and stuff like that, and and the kind and that journey that you and I are on, uh, it really is about finding mastery in our subject matter.
1: I, I, you know, I, I do think whether they say if you ever want to be overnight success, just go to work for about twenty years and you'll get there. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that that's that's really something I think a lot of young coaches don't understand. You know, Brendan, I, I was a head college coach at twenty five and yeah. had no idea what I was doing, nowhere near ready. But the best thing I ever did was take that job. And people said, well, how did you get that job? A little small school in Mississippi, Bell College. And I said, mm-hmm. I got it because nobody else wanted it. And I <laughs> said, but it was the greatest on-the-job training I could ever have because I had to do everything. Um, yep. You know, I had an assistant that was a cross-country coach and a good guy. It was just he and I, and you just figured it out. And I just finished my 26th year uh, as a head coach. And, and 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 right down to our last game this year, I was thinking this morning working out, these are things we got to do better next year. And I, I, I'm every day I realize how little I know about the game, but it's not because I don't want to learn. And I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, they talk about in you know the book Outliers the 10,000 hour rule and yeah. just the, the, the amount of time you have to spend. Um, but you just gave me something now to go listen to today his podcast because I. That excites me, and if, I, if I'm anything, I tell guys all the time, I don't want to run out the clock on my career, and that's what I respect so much about you. I want to stay passionate about what I'm doing, Lenny. Uh,
0: you're coaching at the D2 level, which I have great respect for. That's the level of basketball that I played at, and I knew how good the players are. I know how good these kids are, and frankly. Uh, on your teams, your best teams, which are almost every year, you've got three, four, five guys that could play for us or any Power Five team. In my opinion, they're just good basketball players. They might be an mm-hmm. inch short. They might They might you know they. More importantly, they got misrecruited, misrecruited, misevaluated, right. or they just developed like heck. You know, and so I, I mean, understand that, and that's fine. But when you put your team together. Uh, and, and and I know your, your style of play and your system. Uh, how much of your what you do, and when you, let's say, first, let's talk about evaluating and recruiting, when you're recruiting these young people, what are the things that you're looking for in your evaluation process?
1: Well, I, I think the first thing is the way we've done it here is a little bit different. The, the majority of the kids that we take, we redshirt. And when those kids decide wow. to come here or we decide to pursue them, they have to understand there's going to be a process they have to be willing to go through. And the, the thing that some of our better guys have been able to do is they have been – we're a developmental program. I think you've got to know where you are. Are we a program that recruit, can recruit the level player that's ready right now? Are we the kind of program that every day has to grind – to continue to have guys. I call them guys laying in the weeds. You know, when you think about your team next year at LSU, you're probably thinking about what starters do we have back and who do we recruit? The guys that are equally important to us are the guys that were our seventh, eighth, and ninth guys last year, our guys that were redshirting last year. Are they getting better? Are we growing those guys out of the weeds so they can come be in our top eight? That's what we've got to have. There's so many years we have kids on our team that end up being impactful, and the other guys in our league would say, where did you get him from? I said, he's been here two years. He just never got to play. But he <laughs> kept getting better. And the thing that I think, obviously we all, I think anybody that would get on this podcast or and talk to you would tell you they want good kids, but we do not shortcut character. We do not. And the second thing that we absolutely have to have is a kid that loves it. There's such a big difference in getting kids that like it and kids that love it. At your level, and you saw it firsthand this year, you've got pros. You have guys that have a great chance to play for money. That is their future. Basketball has a chance to be their avenue to make a living. At this level, 99.9% of the kids are never going to play for a dime. So they Mm -hmm. better love it. And they come here, and the kids that really love it get better. And so what we try to do, we try to take that kid that's not playing on the main court at an AU tournament, but a kid that's on the third court, and he's saying, you know, that kid in a couple years, he's going to be a good player. But everybody's kind of walked behind because everybody wants help right now. And we say, that kid in two years, people are going to wonder how we got him. And it's going to be real easy. Nobody else wanted it. But I think getting kids, high-character kids that love the game, go a long way.
0: Well, it leads me to my next question, Lenny. Uh, okay, I I I I agree with that. How do you get them better? And this is the essence of coaching. How do you get them yes.
1: better? we 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 are like we say. We tell them coming in, this is a developmental program. Everything we do here is about you've got to get better every day. Um, we've yeah. tried to grow our program to the point where we have things in place. Hey, in the last two years, we've added a strength coach. Been a huge addition to our program. I have two guys on my staff that are great at developmental work with the kids on the court. And like when our kids red shirt, they they're like on a completely different program from the guys that are playing. They have individual workout schedules. They have a different. They come to practice every day. They participate in practice, but days of the games they have individual workouts. Uh, we have scrimmage days for them. We try to make it as much a deal where they are in that gym. And and what what you find out, I think you weed guys out in that year. We've had kids after years say, you know, this is probably not for me. And I said, that's great. At least we found out before we went five years into it. Yeah. But but just the amount of time that we spend in, with them, and and I think at the, at the highest level now, you are seeing the importance of skill development because I the the most you're a great NBA guy, and I, the most I watch the NBA is the playoffs. And to sit great. there night in and night out in May, I'm fascinated by how good those guys are. But it's, they're so skilled. And and the greatest player on the planet right now is a 6'3", 180-pound guard that's not a great athlete. But his skill great. level is maybe maybe the best we've ever seen in terms of skill level. I agree. And it's all been worked on and developed. At, But I I was talking to someone last night, and they said he's so confident. I said, he's confident because he knows he's put in the time. That's an acquired confidence. That's not – that's nothing false about that. There's nothing bravado about that. Yes, he plays with big-time swagger because he knows he's invested. And the thing that that Curry does, and I've never seen anybody do, like, you know, you coach Ray Allen, you, you saw the guys, and I think you did, just the guys that you know, Ray on the catch-and-shoot guys were just fabulous. But I've never seen anybody that can put the ball down and shoot the three like her. Right? Like he can escape because his handle is so good. He's taken a guy that's a Chris Paul-type handler and a Ray uh, Allen stroke. That's a pretty good combination.
0: You know, when we uh, scouted him in the NBA when he was at Davidson, I remember his sophomore year in Dell his dad, Dell is a real close friend mm-hmm. against him for years, and I said, Del, so what do you think? And I said, he, you know, he really needs to be a point guard, because he's very slight. Uh, he was about 160 mm-hmm. pounds at that point, 155, 160, mm-hmm. and I say he really needs to be a point guard, but he doesn't handle the ball well enough, nor does he make any of his teammates better. How about that? And that was, well, yeah. that was the evaluation in the sophomore year, because he was strictly a shooter, and right. When he was drafted as a point guard, he was not a point guard in this league. And he, the improvement from when his first year, second year, and it's just been we've never seen a player in the NBA come in and keep getting better every year. I mean, it's like this. It's dramatic improvement also. And uh, the stuff he's doing now with his ball handling before the game, we've never also seen, uh, you know, when I had Isaiah and Dumars and guys like that, they wouldn't even go out before a game and shoot. You know, because right. they played so many minutes that they just had their routine was they didn't need to shoot. They shot that day in practice. They were fine. But this guy, he goes out and he puts on a show. They, they now say that there's some arenas where there's two, 3,000 people beforehand. They've had to open up the doors to the arenas earlier just to have
1: people get to see him.
0: That's never happened before in the NBA. That's great.
1: Well, it, but that's so good for our game. That exactly. that is so good for our game to see kids. You know, like I think the most dominant physical player, I guess I didn't see uh Chamberlain, but in my time is LeBron. And right. and he just dominates the game and, and I think he's underappreciated the way he affects the game and the way his teams just always win. But I mean, that's a, he is a one in a billion. Sure. There's guys that look like Steph Curry on every corner. And you know, you can't sit there and tell your kids you got a chance to be the next LeBron. That's not real. I mean, he, no. he is that 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 young man. God put His hand on him and said, "You will be a <laughs> specimen." There's Steph Curry on every corner, every corner. But what? But but also, the more you get into Steph Curry, he's a high character young man, very right. about the right things, and he's a great teammate. If you see the way his teammates rally around him and the way they gravitate to him. That That's the way the game's supposed to be played. And when you, like you said, and, and yesterday I guess his name was named the United, first unanimous MVP, but he's also fourth in the league and most improved player.
0: Which I thought he should have gotten.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun to watch. You know, you and I have done it long enough. There's not much that you can say, I've never seen anything like it. He, I've never seen anything like what he's doing. And, and, yeah. but, but again, I think it's so good for the game. And, but again, I think it comes back to skill development, we talking about creating commitment to work. Um, and, and what he's doing is showing kids, hey, this didn't fall out of the sky. This did not fall out of the sky. This is something this guy invested in. And now he's seeing the fruit. Lenny, when
0: you, when you, uh, and, and I've watched your teams over the years and, uh, there, you know, and you've had so much influence over other coaches, which is, uh, I know, it's a humbling thing for you because you have such humility. But, um, you know, when you watch uh, the way uh, the ideas that you have, you've now the thing that I love about it is you you you've, you keep evolving. I, I don't want to use a bad word. I, I think that's a proper word. You keep evolving and growing and adding things to you. you're not you. You're kind of like what I say about Nike is they have this saying at Nike, there is no finish line. They're never satisfied. And so you seem to be that way as a coach. Is that a proper read on my part?
1: Well, we've we tried real hard, and, and that's very nice of you to say. I, I think the the thing that I, you know, I, like this, I, I just finished my 19th year here. Right. And the one thing that that, that I think you know, the longer you stay, there becomes almost a think tank on how to defend who you are, your system, and what you do. Now, I understand simplicity, clarity with your team, and doing what you do better than how they defend it or vice versa. But I do think you constantly have to be one step ahead of the posse. Mm -hmm. I I just know in our league right now, this is as good a coach as we ever had in our league, the Gulf South, which is a great Division Two league.
0: Great, great. We have
1: really, Brandon, since you and I have sat down, Three years ago, two years ago, whatever it was, and talked at length, we've, we've almost completely changed how we play. Um, we have always played faster than people realize. We've been a upper seventies, mid seventies scoring team, even long before they changed all the foul rules in college basketball. Well, this year we averaged 85 a game and, and we really play fast and the, the, we get the ball up the court. We, our, our big thing is we want to get them on the run and keep them on the run. And, and the thing that we're always looking for is we are looking to try to create space with pace. That's mm-hmm. what we want. We want space with pace. And, and what we've been able to do is we've been able to get to the foul line. We've been able to have guys become more attack minded. But I do think it is because we continue to evolve. And, and I have been very, very blessed to be able to talk to a lot of really good coaches and guys that, You know, I'm not going to name drop, but a lot of really high level guys have come through here and taught basketball and I have learned so much from them and we steal from them. And, but I can give you one very significant secret is some of the best coaches I've ever talked to are high school, division three, NAIA guys. And I mean, those guys are such good coaches that no one knows about. Sure. And we steal from them all. We're not proud. I mean, we will steal from anybody, and we're, we're really kind of taking a lot. Like right now, in May, what we do with our staff, I have three guys that work with us. They watch film. We get them all a different team that I like how they play, and I say, go to Synergy, and I want you, at the end of this month, to say, Coach, this is what they do. I want you to say, and this is what we can take from them, and um, we are constantly trying to evolve. Like, we will be different next year. We're going to be almost positionless in our in our team next year, and and I'm really excited about that. When
0: you uh, when you give your staff those assignments, uh, they're not teams in the Gulf South League Conference either. Right? No, those are, no. those mm-hmm. other teams that you might have seen a team. I'm just making up a team, uh, Stephen F. Austin. You know, with Brad Underwood. Yes. You might say, okay, yes. I yes. want to I yes. want to study a little bit why why he was able to go undefeated in that conference. You know. Uh, in his third year how does that happen
1: you know uh it, it could be someone like that right absolutely and yeah. and, and and one of them's a division three school and okay. i just know how they play and know what they do but if you go back and you look at the statistics the stats at the division two level and i haven't even looked at the division one we probably should sure, but i'm more worried about my level <laughs> that we 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 were a a a top 10 team for you know in a lot of categories if you looked at the team, we got beaten the Sweet 16 this year, the, the regional great. final in a great game by Barry out of Miami. And the, if you go back and look at the numbers of three-pointers shot, three-pointers made, three-point field goal percentage, some of the best teams in the country reside in the top 10 in the country at our level. And the game is changing and, and we have got to keep up with that. But, but, but what we have learned, like you watch, I was sharing with our guys yesterday when we met in the morning. I said, you watch, I watched Portland and Golden State, the overtime game the other night that Curry had with 40. When you watch them play, what jumps out at you is the spacing because all five guys can dribble, pass, and shoot. You have to account for everybody. And it's so much fun to watch. And that's what we're trying to do to get to where we have always keep five guys out there that are a threat to make a shot. I thought uh,
0: uh, Terry Stotts, uh, coached against him, known for the years, I think he's done such an incredible job this year. You know, imagine losing four starters in the NBA. That's unheard of. And then the last four, including Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, a guy of that quality. And then to be able to come in with these guys, and it's sometimes having – basically four guards out there in an NBA game against the best team in the world in Golden State and really frankly kicking their butt. Uh you know, if they had won that game the other night, they would have beat Golden State in this series. I'm telling you. They had them on well, the e so
1: bad. It's ironic you said that because we talked in here yesterday, I said obviously everybody loves watching the Warriors. If you like basketball, you're gonna like watching the Warriors. Absolutely. I said I said, but like I, I have not, I, honestly, the other night was the longest I've watched Portland play. Sure. I said, that guy is a well of a coach. I love how they play. They are creative in how they get the ball screen action. Um, the way he utilizes Lillard, who I had no idea was that good, and McCollum, the kid from Lehigh. Those two guys yeah. are fabulous. But he's got he's also got a bunch of blend guys that that fit with their team. I think he's done, and like you said, he's one point. I mean, they lose in overtime. You score one more point, you win that game in regulation from probably being the favorite to win that series. That's
0: that's an absolutely amazing thing that they've done, and I'll tell you, and and they had Golden State for the first time this year where they were wavering in their confidence. They were Mm -hmm. a shot or two away in that first half from almost disintegrating. And, and you, the thing I've learned in professional basketball, but it's at every level of sport, is how players and teams that have incredible records and confidence, all, I mean, all of a sudden, they can hit a bad stretch and their confidence goes right out the window. And right. uh, and, and, and you, you even saw it with a team like uh, San Antonio last night that just embarrassed uh, OKC in the first game. So now they're shook a little
1: bit. They are absolutely shook. This team and won 67 oh, games that, that game, was the best coach in the As much watch TV. Game yeah. six of San Antonio and um, Oklahoma City. I am so fascinated to see how they respond to that because I agree with you because you could tell as not they walked up the court there was a almost a shock factor, and I was sitting there watching like that really just didn't happen.
0: And I I talked to Billy Donovan after the game. Uh, to the airport and uh, we had to talk about the mentality of how to approach game six and uh, mm. and it's and it's an absolute fascinating thing because you know in college it's one and done, you know, one game you're out, you know, most of the time. And so, you know, here he is. He's got now two more games to clinch your thing, but he can't wait for two games. You gotta do it in the next game. You can't let these guys right. off the hook, you know. So it's it's a fascinating thing and uh, something that, you know, you uh, and I have talked about it over the years, the idea of coaching in professional ball, uh, it's an incredible experience for guys that just love to coach because it's all basketball. And so that's where I'm happy for Billy is to getting a chance to do that. Let me ask you this one. When, when you're in, uh, how long does it, you know, you have, yeah, give us, give our listeners that we, and as you know, you know, we have. A ton of high school coaches. We have a lot of international coaches, as well as college pro coaches and stuff that listen to our podcast. And uh, how many? How many? When? When are you allowed to start your practice with your team? Division two is different than Division one. If you We
1: are, and uh, some we're trying to get changed, but we haven't been able to get done yet. It, 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 we still were the old fashioned October the fifteenth. Uh, We always start on October 15th. We do have the two-hour rule, though, which has been great for us from September 1st to October 15th. We can be with our team two hours, and that has been great for us, great. And we get a lot done. Our goal kind of going into October 15th is we want to have the skeleton of our system in, obviously not very detailed, but skeleton in, and then we try to, you know, on October 15th, really start filling in the cracks. Um, but October 15th, and then, you know, our first game is about the same weekend. You guys open up first, second weekend in November, whether Friday is. And you're allowed, is it 28 games? Or no, am I wrong? Uh, uh, yeah, it's just 28 games. It is. And then 28. We go to the tournament. Yeah, 28 right. games. And so um, it's, it's a great level of basketball. Um, you know, there, there's full scholarship level. Very good players, very good coaches. And I tell people one thing that I appreciate about Division Two now, like every level of coaching, you will lose your job if you don't win, but it's not as vol- volatile as the level you're at. I mean, you can absorb a bad year. Um, and so therefore, I don't feel like you should have to, you know, really compromise what you're about. I mean, there, there's obviously, there's, there's times at the, the, the level you have coached at where you may not really get along with your best player or you may not think they're a great fit, but when you're talking about millions of dollars for coaches, I would put up with it to try to keep my job. Um, at this level, you don't have to do that. You just exactly. don't. And, it, and it's refreshing, and I don't fault those guys for doing it. Um, I, I just say at this level, you don't have to do that. And the thing that really jumps out at people, Coach, at this when we do have coaches come to watch practice, and we have a lot of coaches come to practice or come to games, they can't believe how good a players are at this level. I said, really the biggest difference is the size and physicality mm-hmm. of the post players. Our perimeter guys, I mean, I've got three kids right now that are going to play pro basketball that play on the perimeter for us. I mean, they're, they're good enough to make money. And that's, that's the biggest difference. We don't have the size and physicality around the goal that you guys have at the, at the BCS level. When you talk about, uh, and, and I'm fascinated,
0: it's a word that I've only heard in the last year, space and pace. Uh, uh, you know, where did you come upon that? And I think it, it I think two things that you talked about, space and pace and positionless basketball, I think are the future of our game. And, and, and maybe some people would say, Hey, I've been doing this for years, so I'm ahead of the game. But, you know, in, in our, in our trends of coaching, I really think in basketball, this is where we're going to um, and because I think we're seeing it in pro basketball, there's very few centers um you know, so we now you know you can put to put your best players out there, I think, and every kid that we recruit at these power five schools, every kid comes, every kid wants to be a pro. And so if you, you know, every kid says I'm a point guard, I'm a small forward, and they're not. But, you know, but I think the concept of developing them in positionless basketball, how did you now take that concept of of space and pace and positionless basketball and set it into your philosophy?
1: Well, I think the thing that we tell our guys on offense is is we want you, you know, we're playing with a 30-second shot clock now, the NBA 24, is – we want you to have an answer for all 30 seconds. We want to have enough layers of offense that there's always and then what? There should ne- We should never not be able to answer that question. If we get into primary break, we define primary break. If we don't score on our initial burst or our speed game, what happens then? If we don't score in our default, what is our short clock offense? And I think the biggest thing for us is we want all 30 seconds accounted for. I don't want them to ever say, well, we just defaulted to or just don't really know what to do. Now, that doesn't mean we're running plays, but I do think we try to play in concepts. That mm-hmm. That's something for us that is very important. What is our next concept we need to be seeing? For us, it's where's the ball and where's our five-man? That tells us how we're playing because we really – Once we enter offense, all four parameters, one through four, are the same. There's no difference. And next year, even our five is going to be the same. But we want our concepts. And the other thing that I think helps us account for that 30 seconds is corporate knowledge or our language. We have have a term or a teaching concept for every single thing we do. And it's just things we've come up with. And so they know – when we're in this alignment, there is a name for that. There's there's something in our language slash corporate knowledge that helps them coach their self. We want them to be able to coach themselves. I we literally had a team this year by February. If I didn't even go to practice or none of the coaches went to practice, they would have been fine. They could have coached themselves. Wow. I said, We want to coach kids to be coaches. Whether well, you want to go into coaching or not, we want you to be able to coach our team. And I think accounting for uh, a corporate knowledge, having a language that we really understand and, and is easy for us to learn has been a big step for us getting to that point that you're talking about, that we can play positionless and play with space and pace. When you practice, Lenny, how long, uh, let's say, uh, you know,
0: preseason October 15th to mm-hmm. your first game, how long is roughly a practice
1: ballpark? Uh, you know, a long practice for us is two hours and 15 minutes. That's okay. a very long practice. Once we kind of and, and we won't go back to back days, two hours and 15 minutes. If we go two hours and 15 minutes, we're we'll probably going an hour and 50 the next day. Okay. And, and we're going to kind of be in that hour, 52 hour range up until our first game. When we get into our first game, we have to do a really good job. I think we, we, our guys have got to be fresh. And so we're, we're going to live at about an hour and a half. You know, maybe mm-hmm. Christmas, and then it, it it tapers down even below that. And you know, I know you know Tony Engel. Tony Engel is my first boss. He's the guy that gave me a job. And he said, Lenny, i am never forgetting this. This was 30 years ago. He said, you can never play Cowboy and Indians without the Cowboys. <laughs> and and he said, <laughs> you keep, and you know Tony, that you have to yeah. appreciate that comment from Tony. And 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 his point was, they got to be fresh. We can't run off the Cowboys. we got to be ready to play on game night. And I, I would love to tell you that we go an hour and a half on the day of a game. We don't do that. Now, the things that we don't compromise are skill work and shooting. We're, we're, we're going to do that every day, every day. And then we get to our group work, our teamwork, whatever that may be. But we will never, ever shortcut shooting because – I don't care what you do. If that ball does not go in the goal, it is a hard game. Uh, I I think this is some of the best
0: things. And I think practice time is so important. And the thing that uh, I've always uh, loved about you is that you're so comfortable and so confident in what you teach. But, uh, you know, and because you work so hard at it and you keep learning. That I think you keep getting every year a better product, and that is so hard to do in our game. And so I, I always compliment you on that, buddy. I think it's it's spectacular. No, that's not what what, like,
1: you know, I think, I think, I think what, go ahead. I, I think one thing about that, just real quick, is that we are comfortable with what we do. But I also know this, and you and know, I've had this conversation. There are a thousand ways to skin a cat, hmm. and I have had my butt beat every way possible. Oh, okay. And the minute you think you've got it figured out, you better start figuring something else out. Because if you think you've got it figured out, you've got big problems.
0: I totally agree. And, um, and, and the biggest thing that I think as coaches, and I know we're getting, we're going a lot of different ways, but I love that about being able to just have a conversation with people like yourself, is that, you know, we talked about Billy Donovan before and we both know him and to watch him get uh you know in the first game against the Spurs, he was down at half in the first half more than any team in NBA history has ever been down in the playoff game. Right. Think about that. Yet he's able to win game two on the road. You know, right. That is that is coaching. You know, at Riley years ago against the Celtics, they called it the Memorial Day Massacre with Kareem. Byron Scott, Magic. Wordy, I vividly remember 45, 45 points. Yes, lost Yes. Won the series. That right. you know that 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 is. We have to get our people to recover, to reset, uh, to get back from falling down. And I think uh, one of the really neat things about coaching is you know people like yourself get to take players where they can't take themselves, and that is coaching. Right. My friend, I could do this podcast with you for a week,
1: uh, but, you know, well, I, I appreciate work. you having me. It's very, very nice and kind of you to, to offer the invitation, and, and I appreciate what you do for the game, most importantly, for any friendship. Well, well, thank you. And uh, I know every time, you know, when we have uh,
0: coaches, you know, I, one of our goals at coaching Kevin and I have had, is to try to, you know, bring different perspectives to the game and people – uh, you know it's nice to, to get to hear Billy Donovan or someone like that, but boy, you know there's so many great coaches out there, and I've learned so much from you, and will continue to, and I and I appreciate it. If if coaches want to get in touch or come see you guys practice or anything, can you give them some contact info, Lenny, for your program?
1: Yeah, that will that would be great. All our contact information is on our website. It's UAHChargers.com dot com, dot com, and. My emails on there, and my assistant coaches, and I've got unbelievable help, unbelievable, and uh, they are uh, really, really good. And, and we, we, anybody that wants to come always has an open invitation. And the only thing we tell them, if you, if you come to talk to us, you got to ask us questions. You're going to get asked questions. I love it. That's the finding mastery, my friend.
0: Lenny, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to seeing you soon again. You too. Have a great day,
1: Brendan. Thanks, buddy. Bye.